0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we are somewhere in the 30s, and uh, that means it's 30-something days until the end of the year. I want to apologize that this video, it took so long. Um, I've actually just been really practicing open-handed living this week because I tried to make this video so many times. Um, But we were in El Salvador. Now, we travel to El Salvador uh, once a year because the church, the Turning Point Church has a really close relationship with the church in San Salvador. And so every year we like to send as many people down there as we can. This year about 21 of us went. And we just stay with the disciples there and catch up with them, find out who's been baptized, what babies have been born, what are the needs down here now? And um, then we just have a time to mutually encourage one another and learn from one another and just build our friendship stronger. It's so great. But I will say that anytime you visit a developing country, you need to be ready to walk (laughs) open-handedly. And uh, I tried to make this video so many times, I would have descended it from Suchi Toto, but I just couldn't, it just didn't work out. So here I am back in my studio. Ready to go. And so, amen. I'm getting this out as fast as I can. But the last time that we um, talked, we were talking about collective worship and getting all those things out of our hearts that have sort of worn us down over the past year and gotten in the way of us being able to rejoice when we come together to worship. And uh, that um, one of the things we talked about that happens is that you know that we are being built together as living stones, and if you picture a stone, if there is a fracture in that stone, um, it breaks that stone, but it also can fissure out. It can it can affect all the stones that are around it, and it's a break. There can oftentimes be breaks in relationships and whatnot. And and I've been uh, I want to start. I want to continue talking about that. I talked about. Um, in that video, I talked about really trying to go after the conversations that we need to have to to make sure that Satan doesn't fill in those cracks and to make sure that grace and forgiveness do. But, you know, I started thinking about how much healing it takes to be able to do that. And I wanted to just talk a minute about healing. Okay, I'll start off by just relaying this story that happened to me and uh, sort of where, how God has been speaking to me lately. And that is, you know, as I was um, getting ready for El Salvador, it was one of those times where I was really walking in this tension of the Christian life, which is, you know, I'm, a, I'm somebody that's trying to learn how to um, not pack out my schedule and slow things down so that I can walk at God's speed, so that I can hear his voice. I'm not if in front of him, I'm not, I'm not getting ahead of him, I'm not trailing behind, but I'm really walking in the spirit. But all of that, really, that the point of that is so I can hear God's voice about what he wants me to do and who he wants me to be. Because he does have these good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do, as it says in Ephesians. So I know there's going to be things we're going to do. I'm not just going to be sitting around listening. So there's things he wants me to do. And whenever you go out of the country or you're traveling, parents, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot to plan and a lot to do. And, you know, I had to make sure that I had everything I needed and Jacob had everything he needed and Jay did too. And we're walking out of the door with all the stuff the church in El Salvador needs, but yet I'm also leaving behind... You know, my kids that are at home, is there food in the house? Is there a plan for dinner every night? Is there someone to make sure that my daughter's gonna get out the door every day for school? You know, it's just a lot of stuff to do. And I just found myself so overwhelmed. Tried to walk in this tension, of course I do not know what I'm doing. So I didn't do it that great because by the time Saturday came and it was time to travel, I was exhausted already. So getting on the plane, so after, you know, 12 hours of traveling, which it doesn't take 12 hours to fly, but it takes 12 hours to get out of the door here and into the bed in El Salvador, wherever I'm going to be staying. It's about 12 hours of traveling and I was totally exhausted. And when I get physically worn down, that's when all the spiritual demons can come in and you know, all the 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 uh, discouragement and depression and despair and you know, despondency, all the D words, those are the words that come in at night. And, uh, you know, I'm there on Saturday night. I've traveled all the way to El Salvador to encourage this church, you know, and I feel like I got nothing for you. (laughs) And I'm supposed to share for communion the next day at church. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I don't know if I have anything to share. But as I got up the next morning and I'm just thinking I don't even know if God can what what you're going to do God because you know I have found myself this year I've shared many times that it's been a very difficult year and there has I have discovered a new range of emotion that I did not know I had I really thought I was in touch with I have a very wide range of emotion I can be very low and I can be very high you know it's sort of this um I don't know what it is, but an artist curse, which is good for making music, but, you know, sort of hard for living every day. But I have discovered a new low, and there have been many times this year where I felt like, oh my gosh, I am so low, I don't know if God can pick me back up. And I've never really felt that way, but this year of my life, I, I, my Christian life, I've really been in touch with this. And uh, that's kind of how I woke up on Sunday and thinking, oh God, I don't know if you're going to be able to pull me out. But as He does, and as He has done repeatedly, again and again and again, as I opened up the Bible, somehow, magically, by reading the Word, He restores me, refreshes me, revives me, you know, uh, resurrects me again. And I, all the rewords start happening, and I'm just like, I don't know how He does this. But as it happened, I have been studying out this concept of healing. You know, how does God heal us? And so I didn't even know what to read. You know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know what's going to hit my heart. What am I even reading? And I just, God brought me back to 1 Peter 2, which is a go-to scripture for me. And I opened up the Bible, and I just decided, okay, I don't know if I can even read this again. But I'm going to rewrite it. So I just sat down. Now, this is a... a this is a holy practice, you know, the monks have done it for years where you just literally verbatim rewrite the scriptures. And it's a little different than what I've been te- what I've been telling you to do with the psalms, which is to read a psalm and then go back through and rewrite it following that the outline of the psalm, but yet using your own words. This point I was just actually rewriting verbatim what 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 Peter wrote. Now this is so amazing in itself because in, second, in um, 1 Peter 2, Peter is actually rewriting Isaiah's words that were written hundreds of years before him. But he's rewriting Isaiah. And then thousands of years later, a couple thousand years later, I'm rewriting Peter. And so, it is, and, and God is restoring me and re, re, renewing my hope and healing and all of that 2,000 years later. So it's just, it speaks to the magic and the wisdom Of the truth that is that never changes, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you involve yourself in that process, you can be a part of that, you can experience that magic that is about the truth. So, anyway, I had that happening, and as I was rewriting First Peter 2, God was giving me this new insight about healing. And, you know, I'm not a stranger to healing. I sort of, (laughs) it's been a part of my life ever since I became a Christian. And, you know, I talk about it, even as I'm studying the Bible with people, I really try to um, emphasize the fact that when you get baptized, baptism is for forgiveness of sins. It's not, the Bible doesn't say it's for healing. And I say that because um, oftentimes people can find themselves um, discouraged after baptism because they they somehow felt like, when I come out of the waters of baptism, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to be healed, you know. And the truth is, that's that's not the way that it works. Healing takes time. Now we're forgiven, and that's awesome. And without forgiveness, you know, healing is not possible. But even with forgiveness, healing takes more time. And so I have been familiar with that concept for years. And I've also been familiar with the concept of going back into your past and Sort of uh, letting God heal through grieving the things that, you know, looking at the consequences of your own sin and healing from the consequences of that. Or healing from the wounds that have been inflicted by other people, that God can heal us from our past wounds. And um, I am familiar with that concept as well. But I think something new that has come in this year is, but how do you heal from hurts in real time? Meaning things that are current. How do you go through that process where you have forgiven? Yes, you can forgive what has happened to you, but um, but how do you heal from that? And it's the same concept. It's, it, you know, without forgiveness, healing is not possible. But even with forgiveness, healing is an extra thing that has to happen. And I start thinking about how many real time pains there are. I mean there's some of you are involved in real time pains. Maybe you're married to a, a non Christian. It's just sort of this ongoing hurt and, and, and wound wounding that you have to heal from. Or maybe you are suffering the wounds of a prodigal. There is just nothing like prodigal pain right now if you're a parent of a prodigal. Or perhaps you just have a strained relationship, a relationship with one of your children or a children, a relationship with your mom or dad that you're like, this is just so complicated and, and my heart hurts and I don't know how to heal from it. I try to talk about it. It's just too hard. Or maybe there's just relationship pain with, um, you know, long long-term friendships, whatever. There's going to be real-time pain that we have to deal with. And I have to admit that even after being a Christian for these, how long have I been a Christian now, 26, 27 years, there, um, I have always wondered at Jesus' ability to really to forgive in, in real time. You know, I've never been a grudge holder, but I've always said, you know, I'm going to need a minute. And when you read about Jesus, Looking at Judas, as Judas comes and he's betraying him, and he says, friend, do what you came for. He's sort of extending that forgiveness right then. And then he's hanging on the cross in excruciating physical pain. You know, I mentioned being tired earlier, which will bring on, you know, some sort of spiritual despondency. But even in the midst of that huge pain, he's able to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I've always marveled at that and thought, how does he do that? And I feel like this has this is what God has been trying to teach me right now, is just like, you know, there's, there is there is healing from the past, but there's also healing from the present. And how do we go through the, the healing of the present wounds? So as I was rewriting 1 Peter 2, I felt like he was giving me a new insight, and I really hope I'm going to be able to communicate it to you. Um, I don't know if I can. Sometimes it's hard to communicate what you're learning. But I just want to be able to download what I feel like God is teaching me, and maybe, hopefully, you can get something from it. So I'm gonna read in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 23, and I'm gonna be reading from the NIV just because that's what I memorized it in and it's what soaks into me. Um, You know, when you rewrite scripture, it sort of lets the scripture go down deeper into the soil. It's sort of like when, when rain comes down, it has the surface level, but after a while, it starts to soak into the soil. When you memorize something, it goes even deep, deep down into the roots. And so I have this scripture deep down in my roots. Um, But this is the passage where Jesus is, I mean, where Peter is trying to teach us to look to Jesus as an example of how to suffer and how to suffer well. Suffering is a very normal thing in the Christian life. And we have to accept that suffering. But how do we suffer well? And he's saying, Look to Jesus as your example. And in verse 23, it starts off by saying, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, He made no threats. Instead, and that's a big word, instead, what did he do instead? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And through the years, I have come back to the scripture again and again and again because when something is happening to me that I feel is unjust or whatever, I want to retaliate. I want to, you know, just get, ah, stop this injustice. But I have to remind myself that, you know, I don't even know. I I have to entrust it to the only one who judges justly, and that is God. God is the only one who's just. That's why we can't really deal with injustice. He's the one who really knows how to deal with injustice because he's the only one who's truly just. And I have used it for years to bring myself back to that and, and, and given myself something to do when bad things are happening to me. Instead, what do I do? Oh, I entrust that to God. But this time what stood out to me is this last sentence where it says, by his wounds you have been healed. This quote from Isaiah that Peter is, is reminding us of. And I read that and I was just like, hmm, stuck on it, thinking about it. It's like it's such a deep concept. You know, God has these very deep concepts that we'll never be able to fathom. Maybe, maybe we'll fathom when we, get, when we get to heaven. I don't know. But there's also always got to be a practical part of this. You know, Simply Holy is a practical guide. And, you know, there's got to be practical things that we can do or practices we can put into place to help us to understand and live out these holy, deep concepts. So I was like, God, what is it that I can practically glean from this? And then it hit me that embedded in this scripture is a so that. Now, those of you that have been following me for any period of time know that anytime it says so that in the Bible, I always have a box around that. I always underline it or circle it or highlight it in some way because it's going to give me an insight because it's going to tell me something that happened and it's going to tell me what it's supposed to produce. The thing I think about a so that statement is that it's sort of like a flow chart, Whatever comes before that, the so that is the flow chart that leads to something else. And the way that I picture that is that I see that it says that God, that Jesus, it says Jesus um, himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So this perfect sacrifice, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He never, ever sinned. He never ever picked up any of these weapons, these, this, this retaliation or this resentment or, um, or selfishness or pride or greed or prejudice or any of that stuff. All those, those weapons that we pick up that, that, that we end up hurting each other with, you know, like children with guns, the, we start hurting each other. It's not on purpose sometimes. But it's what how we're wounded and it's how other people are wounded but jesus never picked up those weapons so he was this perfect sacrifice and i i drew this circle which is perfection with jesus inside the perfect sacrifice but then i draw an arrow from there where does that lead so that that's what the arrow is where does that lead well it leads to it says so that we might die to sins And I drew this circle with a line through it, sins, you know, circle with a line through it. And what that is supposed to produce, what Jesus' perfect sacrifice produces, is the ability for us to die to sins. You know, my, um, and I think about this word active dying, this phrase active dying. And I learned that in June, my mom passed away. And um, I had the privilege of being with her in the hospital in her last uh, her last few, um, few hours, actually. And I learned about the physic. I mean, the, um, I'm sorry, the medical jargon. Um, something that they talk about is actively dying. And I just thought that was such an interesting phrase, you know, I was talking to the nurse and she says, oh, you're n- she's not actively dying <laughs> yet. And I was thinking, wow, what a strange thing to say. But, and what are all the implications for the Christian life? Just the act of dying, the actively dying. And I was thinking, that's what we're doing when we crucify our sins. When we're able to crucify our sins and die to our sins, when we're able to get rid of those sins, it's a, it's an act that we do to get rid of those things. It's how we're actively dying. And then, what is produced from that? Well, it says, so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness. So, when we are actively dying, what comes out of that is life actually. <laughs> it's it's this, uh, this righteousness that comes out of it. And that is where the flow chart leads after that. So we live for righteousness. And what comes out of living for righteousness? Well, that is when we are healed. At the end of all of that comes the healing. You know, each time I don't retaliate, each time I choose righteousness, each time I don't retaliate, it's like some healing ointment is rubbed into my soul the scars that the wounds in my soul the wound there or each time i don't seek revenge it's like i'm 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 getting a new bandage and it, i'm being bandaged at my soul is being bandaged each time i pray for my enemies or forgive my enemies or bless those who curse me it's like my soul is receiving healing again. It's like wound care for my soul. And it's so bizarre because God is allowing us to um, participate in our own healing, which is just like God. He always wants us to participate. You know, when the Israelites were led out of Egypt and um, when they were being led out of Egypt, this is the last plague that comes in. and And he tells the Israelites to put the blood over the door not because the death angel couldn't tell who was Israelites and who wasn't. It's because he wanted them to participate in their own rescue. He wanted them to participate in it. And when we get baptized, we are participating in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not that the baptism saves us. It's that our faith in the process that we're saying we are going to participate in our own salvation and here i saw this dawned on me this insight we are participating in our own healing by putting down the weapons and no longer fighting it but allowing god to heal us through these righteous acts it's not righteous acts of our own as isaiah would say but it's the righteousness that we are able to to afford, are able to even do because of the perfect sacrifice that leads to the death to sin, that leads to the acts of righteousness, that leads to our own healing. Is that flat out awesome? I mean, like, I was just like, my mind was blown when I started putting all of that together. You know, we get to participate in our own healing. And by his wounds, we are healed. It starts with his wounds, and it ends up for our own healing. Is that not the most beautiful thing in the world? And so I, I started realizing that I can, you know, this is what I can literally do when these waves of resentment come over me, or my my desire to retaliate, or my my fights, are in you know, I'm going to fight this injustice or whatever's going on. I can instead I can do these acts of righteousness. I can write a card for somebody that's encouraging. I can send a text. To encourage someone, I can pray. Um, I can pray through my list. I have this list on my phone. It's actually a list of all of you guys who have, you know, I'm I'm praying for you for the things that you're trying to do. It's this intercessory prayer that's not about me. It's about you. It's about doing something for somebody else. Um, I can encourage my husband, or figure out a way to encourage one of my kids, or serve someone, or make dinner and pray while I'm making the dinner, or I can fold my laundry with gratitude, you know, something I learned, the the Marie Kondo thing of, you know, being grateful, or cleaning my house with gratitude, thanking God that I even have a house to clean, thanking God that I have these clothes, you know, doing that, it's acting, it's an active um, thing or connecting with a neighbor, reaching out to somebody. These are all things that I can do to heal my own soul instead of, instead of retaliating, instead of nursing a grudge, instead of all of that. And I'm not talking about just staying busy. You know, I'm not talking about getting busy or distracting myself or avoiding or disturbing. I'm not talking about that. We all know that we've had times where we don't wanna deal with something and so we're just gonna go do something. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. You either know someone that's done that or you you can see that or you have done it yourself. And I'm not talking about distracting yourselves. No, I'm talking about consciously choosing righteousness so that we can be in active healing. And that's what I think it is. It's active healing. You know, whenever you have a wound... It doesn't heal immediately. You have to re you have to take the bandage off every night, and check it out, okay, make sure it's healing. Re, you know, reapply the ointment. Maybe, maybe you have to clean it out some more. And you know, there's a time in our quiet times where we, we write down what we're feeling, and we can write down I'm sad or I'm mad or afraid or I'm embarrassed, and we start talking about it. But sometimes that can continue that it, we we can start to go down and spiral down and we realize, wow, this wound is deep. And I need to heal it, but I can't keep going down. I need to keep reapplying the ointment, and I need to bandage it, back it up. It's not completely healed, but I am in the process of healing. It's wound care for the soul, wound care. It's, an, it's active healing. Um, and I figured that this is how I, you know, I figured out this is how I stay close to God through heartbreaking times. You know, the, Bible's, the Bible is clear that God is close to the brokenhearted. And that he saves those who are crushed in spirit it says it repeatedly in the bible but i think sometimes in the past i have viewed this as god consoling me and which is beautiful in itself even if that's all it is is god just that picture of him putting his arm around you and rubbing your back and i think about it like it's like as if my daughter recently came home from school and uh you know she had been hurt really badly by some kids that were making fun of her and she's crying and there and you know my job really at that moment is just to console her it's not to it's not to get her doing anything it's really just to console and let her cry and there's a time for god to do that with us but that in itself is not enough for her healing it goes deeper than that it i had to sit with her it requires more it required me talking her through it and walking her through going back to school, extending forgiveness to those people. How do they do that? How does she do that? Walking through her fears, changing herself, if there's anything in there that she needs to change, and accepting all of that and walking back in and walking through it with her. So I am consoling her. I am close to her by helping her to walk back through it. And And I figured out, you know, this is how God is walking me through heartbreaking times. You know, this. sometimes I know that God is close to me, because the Bible says it, but maybe I don't feel close to Him. And this has finally taught me, like, you know, when I will walk with Him through these times and let Him show me how to go back through it, let Him take me through these acts of righteousness that are salved for my soul, and let Him heal it and unbandage the wound again, put some more healing on it, wrap it back up, and get me uh, through these times of healing. It makes me feel close to Him. You know, I don't know what season you're in. You may be in a great season, and you're just feeling like, this is great, and that's great. You can store this lesson up for later at a different time. But maybe you are in a time of healing right now. And if so, I hope that this thought of active healing can help you um, as you are restored and healed over these last 30-something days until 2020. And for all of us, I hope this video can help you. Until next time.